I was actually brought on to build this starter kit called the Platform Starter Kit. And that's a template that people can refer to or clone to build multi-tenant applications. And what that means is if you're building a blogging platform, a, a newsletter subscription platform, or a website builder, or even a status page builder, all of these use cases where you offer custom domains to your users as a premium plan, that's something that we enable you to build really easily without having to worry about SSL certificate generation. We give you unlimited custom domains for free, which is unheard of. Hello and welcome to PodRocket. I'm Noel and joining me today is Stephen Tay. Stephen is a senior developer advocate at Vercel. He's a founder of Dub and One Word Domain, probably a bunch of other side projects he can tell me a little bit more about here. But uh, how's it going, Stephen? It's going pretty well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course, of course. Yeah, we're excited. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, I guess kind of in your words, give us a little bit of your your background um, intro and then kind of how you found yourself at Vercel and what you do there. My name is Steven. I am, uh, as you say, a senior developer advocate here at Vercel. Before Vercel, I was actually, um, I studied data science and business in college, starting from a data science background, but then I realized I really want to be able to build something that can be shipped to the end user. So I sort of pivoted into learning HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And that's how I actually built my first site project, One Word Domains. It's a uh, collection of one-word domain names that are available for people to register. And through that, I learned how to use stuff like jQuery, you know, just vanilla CSS. And I, through that process, I also found out about Vercel, sort of got in touch with our CEO, Guillermo. I was trying to pitch him a collaboration uh, with one-word domains, and we eventually met in person. And that's how sort of got to know each other. And I, after college, I really wanted to start my own, own company. So I actually raised a small little angel round. Uh, but right before I signed the uh, safe note, Guillermo was like, why don't you join Resell instead? You could accelerate your career here, learn more about B2B SaaS, about open source, about um, hiring, managing people. So I was like, why not? Resell is an amazing company. I love the product. So I said yes to that. And that's how I ended up here. That was about a year and a half ago now. And since then, I've been building a ton of really cool stuff, uh, which we can dive into later here at Vercel. Yeah, we actually had Guillermo on, I don't remember exactly how long ago it was, but he told us a bunch about Vercel at the time. So we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes if listeners want to go catch up and kind of kind of get get his perspective. Nice. But yeah, kind of t- tell us what a dev advocate at Vercel is like. Did you have a pretty good handle on what that was going to be when you were coming in or have you guys kind of been figuring it out as you go? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, that's it. I, I, that's a great question. When I first joined, I, I was hell-bent on, on doing product management. I was like, oh, I want to do product. But then eventually I got to learn more about the dev advocate role and sort of fell in love with it because it really aligns with my personal interests of being a founder in the future. The way I pitch this role, dev advocate, is it's a, it's a combination of uh, product, customer success, content creation, and engineering. So our role is basically building really cool starter kits and templates to help users familiarize themselves with our product, our platform, and at the same time, help inform the product team on what users are looking for, what kind of features that we should be prioritizing, and also being the front-facing person on social media, on, on Twitter, get up discussions. Whenever people have feedback or complaints about Rosell, uh, we're the first line of defense in a way, alongside our customer success team, obviously. 
And in terms of engineering, uh, you got to understand the product really well to be able to build these starter kits. So that's why it's a combination of all these. And I do sometimes help with some sales calls too, uh, which I which is why I love this role. It's very well well rounded, and it really prepares me for whatever whenever I'm ready to start my own company in the future. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of fun though. It keeps the days interesting. Yeah, let's dig in a little bit. Tell us about tell us about the starter kits you've mentioned a couple times. Like, what are those? How do they work? How do they get devs rolling with Versal? So, uh, when I first joined Versal, uh, my I was actually brought on to build this starter kit called the Platform Starter Kit, and that's a template that people can refer to or clone to build multi-tenant applications. And what that means is, if you're building a blogging platform, a, a newsletter subscription platform, or a website builder or even a status page builder, all of these use cases where you offer custom domains to your users as a premium plan, that's something that we enable you to build really easily without having to worry about SSL certificate generation. We give you unlimited custom domains for free, which is unheard of. I don't think any other platform does that. And uh, we also help you scale if you have millions of users that have themselves tens of millions of users. You don't have to worry about bandwidth, about scaling your EC2 clusters or Kubernetes or whatever. We basically take care of all that right out of the box for you. So that was the first starter kit that I built. Launched it in January of 2022, I think. <laughs> that was a while ago. So about a year ago now. And it's helped a lot of customers like Super.so, which is a Notion website builder. They currently have 9,000 custom domains and hundreds of millions of page views. Hashnode has 25,000 custom domains. All of them are built on top of this this, uh, this sort of framework that I created here at Resell, which is really cool to see the impact. And uh, other smaller starter kits would include MongoDB starter kit, which is a way for people to use MongoDB in Resell. I also built a, a very simple um, Hacker New Slack bot, which is an open source template that people can use to send Slack messages to a channel when their company name is mentioned on Hacker News. It's a great way for us to understand. Uh, we actually dog food that internally. It's a great way for us to understand what people are uh, thinking about Vercel and Next.js and Svelte. Nice. Yeah. So, like, let's. Um, I'm I'm curious, or I haven't I haven't really explored these at all. So I'm kind of figuring this out as I go. So, how, how what is the what is the actual interface for how these starter kits work? You said they were like repos. Are they are they strictly code that people are cloning and then those know how to like interact with Vercel's platform APIs to do things? Or is there like stuff that's happening on the back end as well when someone uses one? Or like how do they how do they work? Yeah, so majority of these templates are full stack repos that you can easily clone and deploy it to Vercel. You might need to fill in a few environment variables, like if it integrates with services like, I don't know, PlanetScale, Railway, or even LogRocket, uh, you need to add those API keys for that to work. But generally, we want to give a, a very low friction way for new developers that don't know about Rosal to be able to build really cool applications and discover the, the full potential of the Rosal platform. So yeah, this is sort of our gateway drug, <laughs> so to speak, uh, to to Versailles and Next.js. In writing these starter kits, have you ever found that there were like features that were lacking in Versailles or you went, oh man, it sure would be cool if the platform could do X, Y, Z, that would make this template way easier. And if so, what do you guys do when you run into those? <laughs> That's a that's all, that comes up all the time, and I think that's also why I love building these starter kits because it really puts me in the shoe of the end user. 
in our case, end users are developers and the pain points that they're facing when using our platform. So one example is when I was building the platform starter kit, our users really needed a way to filter uh, and search for a certain custom domain that's connected to their project or sell. We didn't have that feature before. And when users like Super go up to 9,000 custom domains, it makes it really hard for them to figure out like which domains are configured correctly and which ones are not. So that sort of brought about a feature request that we shipped sometime in the middle of last year. Uh, and we're constantly improving that with more and more discoveries that come up when I'm building these art kits, which is something that I really like doing. Are there any um, kind of cool features in particular that you find most, I don't know, devs coming in to use them, like new, new features on the Vercel platform? I'm thinking of like the, I don't know, edge functions, uh, like the MongoDB starter kit you mentioned. Are, are most people that are using those coming in via the starter kit or is it is it is it quite a mix? Uh, it's a healthy mix of people that discover it organically on, on Google when they're looking for a template or mm-hmm. if it's an enterprise user uh, that we, we do outbound sales or inbound sales. It's, it's a healthy mix of both. But I think that these features that we roll out, like for example, we recently acquired SplitB, which is it's like a Google, a Google Analytics alternative that's privacy friendly. And uh, we integrated that product into our platform. Uh, we call it Resell Analytics. And that's a great way for people that want to have a, a privacy friendly, lightweight version of Google Analytics you know, set up for their project to be able to use Resell and have that built directly into the platform. And there are a, a plethora of other features as well, like preview comments, which is basically a, a great way for people to collaborate on a project because when you push your changes to a new branch, we automatically create a, a, a live preview URL of that project that you can share with your team and they can leave comments on specific parts of the page, which is something that is it's great for our team collaboration. So there are a lot of these features I can go on and on. Nice, nice. I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the weeds slightly here and then I'll, I'll pull us back. But like, so... You're talking about these preview branches, right? Where like you have the whole environment set up for each branch. We're also talking about like backend services that are being set up in Vercel, right? Like we've got like the MongoDB starter and stuff. Is there like are is there a fresh database being created when one of those templates is scanned and or you know uh, used to set up a new branch and and pushed as well? Yeah. So uh, the the way we do that is we build out integrations with MongoDB, with PlanetScale, with uh, Heroku, AWS, whatever. And that basically, when you add that integration, we spin up a MongoDB cluster for you on, on the MongoDB um, data platform. And we automatically seed the connection string that's generated into your Versal project. So it makes it very seamless for the user to basically deploy a project that already has a database configured without having to manually set up all these connection strings. All they need to do is click deploy, make a Versal account, make a MongoDB account, and they're all set. They have a live production uh, URL that they can already use. So that's that's our angle to be able to to let people experience the magic of that's Versal really easily and onboard users that way. I'm 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 particularly curious kind of more technically about the multi-tenant app, I think like the platforms starter kit. Is that is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does that how does that work. I feel like this that's kind of a, a a novel space. I don't think I've seen many other like kind of, you know, these like hosting software companies able to do this multi-tenant true end-to-end like tool chain setup. How does that how does that all function? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's kind of meta if you think about it, because we are we're a hosting company, we're a platform that allows other platforms to be successful on top of us. And the way it works is it's actually quite simple. Partially, it's it's thanks to all the infrastructure that we've already built every cell. But the way the way the platform starter kit functions is you use an edge middleware, which we released about a year ago as well, to perform a rewrite. Because in an edge middleware, you can basically get the the origin of the request, which is the host name. So for example, if steventay.com is using one of the platforms, you will get steventay.com and you make a rewrite to uh, a dynamic route, which is a feature inside Next.js that allows you to statically generate a bunch of pages, uh, a bunch of content pages. So within that dynamic route, I'll have that host name that I got from the middleware. And I basically just pull whatever data that's in our database for that host name and just render the HTML on the server side and send it to the client side. So all the pages that are generated are, are static, but also users can easily edit that. And, and the performance is hundred like top-notch performance uh, without having to worry about setting up Nginx proxies to do that rewrite or you know having to issue SSL certificates manually and stuff like that. So we make it really easy for folks to be able to build and offer custom domains in their products. Yeah, nice, nice. Are there any other are there any other tricky features kind of in this this the page generation step that are gotchas that people are gonna do sometimes that you guys either handle or advise people on how to how to handle them on their end? So we do have this feature called on demand revalidation of these static pages. It's basically a way for you to Basically, these pages are cached. Whenever there's a request to that page, it's cached in the Edge network, in the Versailles Edge network. But then if a user makes an edit to that page, we basically call a revalidate API endpoint to basically regenerate that page in the background, and the next request will get the, the updated version. So that's that's one cool feature because it's it's basically propagated across all 20-plus regions that Versailles has across the world, which means that your data within like 300 milliseconds will be propagated and updated. So if you make a change in, in New York, you get that update instantly uh, in Singapore, which is uh, something that a lot of our customers love. And another thing is it also uses the Versal Domains API, which is uh, endpoints that we created for users to be able to add their users' um, custom domains, add, update, and remove it. Uh, and that's something that we make basically simplified whole process. All you need to do is have a component in your app that allows people to add and hit that endpoint. And that's it. You don't have to worry about aliasing. You don't have to worry about, you know, generating all these certificates. Every time you push a new production deploy, all the domains that you're configured, configured are re-aliased to that latest deployment. So it all happens under the hood. You don't have to think about or manage any of these. Nice, nice. Are there are there any other, I don't know, kind of kind of features or functionalities in that in that slice, like in that domain management slice that you guys have considered that might be cool, particularly for people trying to build platforms that would be helpful to kind of productize a little bit, like make it easier for some people to have to set up all this infrastructure themselves and you know, like maybe integrate with an API and they could just call something that's entirely kind of in Vercel's domain and make it work. Yeah. So one one interesting thing that comes to mind would be uh, wildcard subdomains and imagine your your substack right and you're you're offering your users the ability to do like steven.substack.com and the way Versal does it is 
all you need to do is add a wildcard. So it's a star.substack.com or whatever your domain is. And once you add that to your Versailles project, you can just start offering subdomains easy, like out of the box. You don't even need to hit any domains endpoints. You don't need to add all these subdomains. All of these pages using the platform starter kit, they're all generated on demand using ISR, like you mentioned earlier. So to clarify, ISR is short for incremental static regeneration. It basically is a way for you to pre-generate a certain amount of static pages. So imagine you have, you know, slash product slash product ID, and you want to generate like the top hundred. And in total, you have like tens of thousands of these product IDs. So it doesn't make sense to generate all of them at build time because it's going to take forever. So you just need to basically pre-generate the top hundred and all of the remaining ones will be generated on the fly. So when a user makes a request to uh, a page that's not generated, we generate that in the background and all subsequent requests globally will be cached. So that going back to the idea of wildcard subdomains, it uses the same concept. So if a new user joins Substack, right? And they're like, I want to create, I don't know, a new website, a new page that's called kate.substack.com. The page, like the first request to that page will basically check against your database to see if that Kate subdomain exists and if it does it generates that page and it caches it so it all like it, it's all happening on demand and uh, which means that you don't need to even add or remove subdomains you just do a simple um crud like a, you do you use simple crud to your database and that's it yeah nice that's that's pretty cool i guess this is this is probably a bit of an aside and not directly domain related but in that in that isr process how, how does one delineate between like what are the first 100, you know, things that should be being pre-generated versus like this is, you know, some deep, obscure product page or something? Yeah, it's really up to you. Like some people do based on page views, uh, based on the number of requests. Like we just generate the ones that are most frequently requested and the ones that are not really as requested as often, we just, you know, generate it on the fly. So that's usually the heuristic. Yeah, it's really up to the developer themselves. Got it. So is it is it is it specified somewhere like programmatically then? Correct. So we have a function called get static paths. So it's basically a function inside your Next.js dynamic route that allows you to delineate which paths that you want to be pre-generated and which ones you want to generate on the fly. Yeah, I guess I feel like I feel like we've been talking a lot about this like, platform starter kit. Are there any other starter kits? I know you mentioned like the MongoDB one. Are there any other ones that are like the most commonly used that people might want to reach for? Yeah, that's a I, I like uh, I think that's a great segue into talking about the templates marketplace, which is what I actually it's a project I've built here at Sal2. It's basically a marketplace of all these different starter kits that I mentioned earlier ranging from use cases like um, e-commerce, uh, blogs, to even stuff like AI, which is really hot right now, Web3, and all these different fields. And all, all of them basically have starter kits that touch on different use cases, use different frameworks as well, like Next.js, Svelte, uh, Astro. You can check this out at bracelcom slash templates if you're interested. But basically, this is a great way. Like We recently released this image gallery starter kit, which is a very performance and beautiful Instagram clone in a way. Like it basically allows you to build a gallery of images that it's really, it's like accessibility focused. It, it performance wise, it's really, uh, it performs really well. 
and uh, it has keyboard support, all these different small details that a lot of like developers uh, might take them like a, a ton of time to build it from scratch. We just build it out and open source it for people to refer to, for them to copy and clone. And uh, it's really cool because these actually have real world impact. Like people are using this to build their wedding photo shoot gallery. And it's like, re- it really warms our heart to see that. Folks like Unsplash are actually looking into the starter kits that we've built. So we recently built like a AI alt tag generator for images. So imagine you have like this image gallery of 100 images and you don't want to go in there and like manually write alt text for each one of them. You can use our starter kit, uh, the AI alt tag generator starter kit to programmatically create these alt text for you. And uh, it was built by my colleague Hassan. He's amazing. And uh, the starter kit was actually used and inspired Unsplash, uh, which is a famous like photo sharing platform, to integrate it into their own product. So it's really cool to see all this like real world impact that we're creating with all this value that we're putting out in this marketplace. Can functionality of these starter kits like be combined in any way? Because it feels like this like auto image tagging would be cool. You know, like with some of the other ones you mentioned. How does that? How does that work? Like how do you how do you combine these two kind of potentially disparate? things yeah so uh, there's no way to programmatically combine them they're all like they, they allow you to deploy them basically like separately into different projects but what you can do is instead of cloning and deploying you can just refer to the repository and just cherry pick the parts of the code that will work for your use case and that's what we've seen a lot of people do and yeah i've, I've gotten feedback about the platform starter kit and how customers basically rewrite the entire code base based on the way I've structured the platform starter kit to allow them to be able to offer custom subdomains. And, and, and it's something that, yeah, it really inspires me because like I can see the impact that my work is having on people uh, and, and companies all across the world. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure that is super satisfying. And I, and I feel like it probably is often the case that, you know, templates become examples more so than templates a lot of the time but we just like you know you don't know about it when someone's going in and like pulling the pieces out unless you're like manually reconciling and figuring out if the code matches exactly but yeah that's that's super cool to hear Our, um like has there been any projects that you've worked on in particular that you've kind of you know either built a template out of or it was inspired by a template you were working on that you you have found have found particularly exciting yeah this is another great segue into dub which is a side project that I actually launched that is inspired by the platform starter kit. So uh, it all came from this conversation I had with my manager, Lee, Lee Robinson. We were talking about like, if there's a great way for us to build like a Bitly clone that is has much better features and is, is cheaper to use. And, and that sort of inspired me to build Dub because we really needed certain features that Bitly didn't have. Uh, I can go into that in a second. But yeah, so Dub is basically an open source Bitly alternative. Uh, it's basically a link management tool for people to create short links. And you can even do that on your own custom domain. So we have seen folks um, basically create all these different uh, short links for the companies really easily. And it uses edge functions, which is also a result product um, to perform uh, all this, uh, perform redirects. Uh, at the edge. And we can also talk a bit about edge. So what edge means, it's it's not just a fancy term. It's basically a way of saying that these functions are running at a close proximity to the user. So imagine one of your users in Malaysia, where I'm originally from, 
one of them requests a, a, a link or, or, or triggers an API call to your application, what Edge functions allow you to do is instead of having to make a round trip from Malaysia to New, like US East, Virginia, they can just hit uh, one of the Edge nodes that Vercel has in Singapore. And that basically reduces the latency of a function call. So yeah, edge functions have been used over a billion times since we launched. There have been over a billion invocations, which is massive. Like we've seen a lot of adoption in our enterprise customers. But going back to the idea of dub, it basically allows people to perform all these redirects at the edge. And uh, the, the custom domains API that I was talking about earlier also allowed me to basically offer custom domains for free, which is, I don't think any of these like link management tools actually do. Like Bitly, you have to pay at least $29 a month to use a custom domain. So with Dub, I was able to just offer this. And since I launched uh, about four months ago now, there's been over 400 custom domains from 400 large, pretty cool companies that have connected their custom domains to Dub. So yeah. That's uh, one of the projects, one of the bigger ones that have came out of um, uh, a starter kit that I built. Nice, nice. Are there any other any other particular features of Dub that like people might not get with other URL shorteners that they're looking for? Is the or is uh, like domains kind of the the big one? Yeah, um, one of the main features that actually inspired me to build this was uh, a feature that we really needed at sell, which is a way to do OG image proxying. And what that means is like, imagine you share a short link on Twitter and that links redirects to a third-party site that has a pretty terrible OG image or doesn't even have an OG image at all. What Dub allows you to do is you can proxy your own OG image on top of that third-party link. Uh, think of it as Rick rolling, but for good. <laughs> that's, how, that's how people talk. That's how I pitch usually. It's like, you can basically Rick roll people but in a good way because you're putting a nicer OG image and your own OG image, uh, OG tags on top of that short link. And that's something that we use often whenever we um, share a link on Twitter, on LinkedIn. It works across all these different social media platforms. And uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the big ones. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I think for people that aren't familiar, like OG image, or I guess the OG tags are the tags commonly used in uh, like unfurling links, like make the th links have stuff show up, like when you paste them in Slack. So there's like an image and text and stuff. It's a subset of tags. So you kind of control the like automatic embedding behavior. Exactly, exactly. And that's sort of uh, the, the, the really cool thing about that is we also launched at Versal this OG, like we call it Versal OG. It's, it's a way for you to programmatically create OG images at the edge. Um, and it, it's basically a framework that allows you to create all this, all these GitHub links that you share on Twitter. You'll see that there's the GitHub repository name, the star count, the fork counts, number of forks. And those are generated basically on demand and it's updated every time the platform makes a request to that endpoint. So uh, we basically create this, this open source library that allows you to do that super easily using React. You can just write up a React component and that will become a, a dynamically rendered OG image. And that's something that has allowed us to uh, achieve a lot of success on social media. For example, Next.js conference. That's a conference that we run annually that has over, last year we had over 100,000 participants who all, they basically attended that conference online. And the way we, we sort of 
added some virality to the launch was we allowed people to register tickets and have custom OG images that have their name, their picture, and the place they are in line. So people would be so excited that then they would like share that on, on social media. And that's how it sort of got that traction initially. Uh, so that's a, a really powerful feature if you want to focus on social media. Nice. Yeah, it sounds it sounds super handy to have that out of the box. I, like I, a, a couple of times I've had to go in and like write custom logic on these, you know, like super front end heavy non react or like fully reactive apps that don't have any real like pre-rendering or anything it's like okay we've got a hand and now we have to handle like unfurling so like short circuit all these requests and just like go get data from the database and return these images and stuff so have, being able to like write that in a react component that then is pre pre-rendered and can be returned for those requests does sound super super handy yeah so listeners should check that one out if they found themselves walking that path before <laughs> yeah nice nice are there are there any any kind of times in particular i guess we've been talking about starter kits a lot but like when when you're starting up a new project on Vercel, should should one always be browsing kind of the starter kit library first, or are there distinct times when it's like, nah, you should probably just, you know, like set set up your own repo, follow an example, maybe. I think there's a distinction between starter kits uh, and boilerplates. So starter kits or like these templates that I built sometimes are a little bit more complex and have a lot of like built-in features that you might not want if you're starting a new project. So what you could do is refer to boilerplates, um, and those are basically like very bare bones templates that integrate with maybe Next.js and Tailwind, and that's it. So I'm actually working on this. Uh, I'm calling it Precedent. It's the first time I'm telling anyone actually right here. So you got the exclusive. <laughs> Planning to launch it hopefully tomorrow, but we'll see. But basically, it's a way, it's a very very simple Next.js template that integrates with Tailwind, with Radix, with NextAuth, with um, Prisma. And a lot. it also provides some like utility functions that I see myself using and reusing very often between all these projects I'm building. I used it in Dub, I used it in Warmer Domains, and I also used it in ShareGPT, which is another project that I worked on. I can talk about that later. But basically, this template um, is something that I personally want because I start new projects very often. And to have a starting point that has all the components, all the utility functions that I always use, I, I personally find very, very helpful to go from zero to one. So yeah, this is something that I am excited to launch and hopefully people resonate with that as well. It's a little opinionated, but I think in a good way. So yeah, that's a, that's a good example. Nice, nice, awesome. Yeah, I, I, I feel like once people are kind of in the in the ecosystem and they're looking around and they've made the decision, they can kind of parse parse the space pretty quickly and, and figure out where they where they should be starting. But you know, it's, a, it's always good to hear it. Tell me more about this uh, GPT project you you just mentioned. Yeah, it's a project that I worked on with one of our colleague, my, one of my colleagues here. His name is Dom. It basically was inspired when ChatGPT was launched, and we just wanted a way for people to share their ChatGPT conversations with like, we basically, so what we built was a Chrome extension that you all you need to do is click share and it would generate a static page using, as I mentioned earlier, Next.js dynamic routes. Um, that is That looks exactly the same as the chat GPT UI. And it's basically persisted and has a short link that people can easily share. 
And it also uses the Vercel OG product that I talked about to show like a preview of that conversation when you share it on Twitter, for example. So um, that sort of blew up a little bit when we launched because ChatGPT was blowing up. So it sort of rolled along the wave there. And it was featured on TechCrunch, which is really cool to see. Yeah, it was. It, it really highlights the the value proposition of, of Vercel because that allowed us to go from idea to TechCrunch publication in like four days. Yeah, so uh, you, and that basically is inspired by all these different tools that I was mentioning earlier. Vercel OG, Nexus Dynamic Routes, all these utility functions that I've used before. I find myself reusing that all the time, and I also use that to kickstart this project as well. So yeah, that's that's a that's a project. <laughs> nice, nice. I feel like yeah, that's like that's a good ribbon on top of like the package. Check out Vercel; it seems cool. There's a lot of stuff for everybody. Yeah. Any anything else on the roadmap that's upcoming for Vercel that you you want to point out or talk about? Yeah, there there are a lot of moving parts, uh, but I think the ones that I would like to highlight is a lot of like it's it's quite underrated, but quality of life improvements when it comes to the product itself. For example, there's this domain webhook feature uh, i know it's it's a little bit niche but it's a, it's a great addition to for platforms users so people who are building multi-tenant applications right now what you're doing is they're running a cron job to make sure that all nine thousand of the domains are configured correctly by checking against the resell domains api but we're basically working on this webhook feature similar to stripe you know uh, i don't know subscription updated endpoint we basically ping you when a domain status changes. So if it's configured correctly or if it, it's misconfigured, we'll let you know instead of you having to check manually for each one of them. So that's a small but very like impactful uh, feature that we're working on currently. There are a plethora of others that I could go into, but I'm very excited. Uh, another thing that we're, I'm personally working on is finally creating a platforms landing page. So uh, it's going to be resa.com slash platforms. It's it's basically a, a simple page that shows all the customers that are currently building platforms on Resel, uh, as well as the, like the features that we, we really uh, enable you to do. Custom domains, unlimited custom domains, generating SSL certificates right out of the box, dynamic routes that allow you to scale infinitely. And yeah, I really am very excited about that because Folks like Cloudflare uh, already have their, they call it SSL for SaaS, and it's quite expensive, which is why I think this is something that we can shine and, and stand out amongst the competition. So getting that landing page set up is, is the top priority for me in the next couple of weeks, uh, which I'm very excited about as well. Nice, nice. Awesome, awesome. I guess, yeah, anything else kind of you want to point listeners to more broadly? Yeah, so we recently launched Edge Config. It's our first foray into the land of databases. It's a very, very simple key value store that has ultra low latency. So based on our tests and, and measurements, um, the average like P99 score for latency using Edge Config is like five to 10 milliseconds, which is way, way shorter than Redis or any other like existing um, solutions out there. Obviously it's quite limited in terms of like the data types that you can store. But it's, it's perfect for you to do feature flagging, for you to do A-B testing, for you to manage complex like redirects, you know, like if you have any broken links, you want to redirect those for you to like handle environment variables, whatever. So that's the thing I'm very excited about. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you for 
sharing so much with us, Stephen. It's it's uh, it's been a pleasure. And again, like I, I'd implore people to go check out Rochelle if they haven't yet. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, I'm very excited to uh, be here and share a little bit more about Rochelle. Of course, of course. Take it easy.